At 18, Alyssa knew her calling was in pediatric oncology. Because of that calling, she volunteered at a camp for terminally ill children, and at that camp, one little girl's comment to her sparked an idea. That idea has now turned into a full-fledged nonprofit that brings magic to children battling serious illness. You're listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Farron, author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter. Because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. I've been looking forward to this interview. I know we connected, I think it was 2020 on TikTok, correct? Yes. It was that you were bringing your foundation to that platform? Is that what that was? Yeah, absolutely. That was when we first started using TikTok and I had no idea the doors it would open at all. Yeah. It's amazing. I tell you, anyone who will listen, although I'm not going to lie, I think in 2020, it was slightly easier than it is now. But I tell everybody foundation or who's looking to grow a business or anything like you have to get on there. Mm -hmm. And I remember when in 2020, I started telling people that. And I think people thought, yeah, okay, not happening. (laughs) But here we are the end of 2022. And it's a thing. So that's where we connected. And so I really want to dive into your foundation is called Princess Program. Yes, we're the Princess Program Foundation. The program is all about bringing magic to the lives of children battling serious illness. That's really what I want to dive into. How old were you and what inspired your idea to start this foundation? So I was 18 and I was volunteering at a camp for kids who were terminally ill. And I just happened to be playing mini golf with this little girl. I was telling her about my experience at Disney the past summer. And she just looked up at me and she was like, I'm never going to get to go to Disney. And it broke my heart, but it also opened my eyes to the fact that maybe I could bring Disney to her or that same Disney like magic. Later that night at the camp, we were having a talent show. And I remember seeing all the princess costumes in the wardrobe. And I was like, it can't be that hard to just get on some princess costumes and go visit kids in the hospital. And then before you know it, that's what we were doing. Wow. Do you know why she told you that she would never be able to? Do you know the story behind that? So I was at a camp for terminally ill kids. They don't disclose their medical information to us, but okay. it was pretty much assumed that this was end of life care. Wow. What caused you at 18 to want to do something like that? I've always been into helping people. I'm studying to be a nurse and I love the world of pediatric cancer. I felt like I was placed on this earth to be an advocate for them. So I went through this experience and I knew that was my calling and that there was no doubts about it. I love it. So I'm guessing when you're done with your schooling, you want to work in that department? Yes, of course. I want to be a pediatric oncology nurse. That's amazing. You were 18 and this was what year? 2017. 2017. At such a young age, you saw like a need 
or a problem or an issue or something and you filled it. Yeah. At 18. And I think it is rare that people at 18 are thinking about serving and helping others. I mean, there's just so much going on. 18, you're an adult. You're trying to figure out your life. Are you going to go to college? What you're going to do? That just stood out to me. Your age and then filling a need based off of something that a little girl said to you. So was that your first experience dressing up? Yes, it was. I did community theater a lot as a kid, but never to the extent of like personifying that character and staying that character. You know, you do the play and it's over with, but our characters stay those characters for a very long time. So this was my first time dressing up. And I remember our first visit, like it was yesterday, we walked into the children's hospital. I was actually dressed as Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And I remember this child come running down this huge staircase and was like, Belle, where have you been? And it was incredible. I had to stop myself from crying. And she gave me the best hug. And I just knew that all the pieces would fall into place after that. And that brings me to the point, of course, you're not a robot, you're human. But I guess I would think to some degree, you guys have to hold it together, right? You want to hold it together for them and to give them that experience. But as a human, surely these kids, it's heartbreaking and it just really gets to you. So how do you deal with all the emotion of that? I do offer like grief counseling for our volunteers. Recently, it became more of a profound loss when we were meeting them in person and then going through the services and talking with the families. And that was very hard. And I've just been there for my staff of volunteers. And I've listened on the other end of the phone when they were sobbing after meeting with a child that was on hospice. And I have so much respect for them because when I started this, I was just going into hospitals and we were able to walk away and leave it in the hospital. And now they are doing this and they are getting attached to the families. They are building relationships and bonds and they are grieving at the same time when these children go to heaven. It's what I believe, but they are feeling this immense loss. And I think that I could never do that piece of it. I would have a very difficult time. So the fact that they are able to be there, not only perform as the character, but keep a smile on their face while this child is going through this, I have the utmost respect for my characters in that sense. Yeah, I would lose it. Because I think, you know, but I had cancer many years ago. And so that topic is just so close to my heart. And I think I would just lose it. And as you're talking about the volunteers, how many volunteers did your foundation have? So online volunteers, we have about 40 and in person, we have about 20. So we have about 60 volunteers total. That's amazing. Do people just prefer one or the other online or in person? So how it first started was we were mostly online when we became a nonprofit due to the COVID-19 pandemic, putting everything online. So a lot of our 
volunteers either in different states or different countries were doing Zoom calls with the kids. And now, because things have opened back up in person, we're able to make different trips to different states. Now they are doing their own hospital visits in their own states once we make the connection there. So they're slowly transitioning from virtual to in-person, but then we also have our local in-person volunteers, which is who I mentioned for in-person before. And they do our hospital visits, our events for pediatric cancer and things like that. So there is definitely a lot of different aspects to a way that you could be a volunteer in our program. And what makes a good volunteer? I always say that they have to have compassion, obviously, for what we're doing. And they have to have the understanding behind it, the importance of advocating for these kids, even when it's hard. They have to believe in our mission. So the simplest way I can put it is if I were to post a video about a child upset on a Zoom call, I want you to believe that is the best thing for our mission is to portray what these kids are going through so that way they can get the help that they need. What exactly is the mission in your words? To bring magic into the lives of children that are fighting serious illnesses and to not only do that, but advocate for them at the same time. Follow you. We're connected on Instagram and TikTok. I see a lot of kids with cancer. Is that just like the main one? And but you serve other terminally ill children or serious illnesses? Yeah, of course. We also serve children with various serious illnesses. So just off the top of my head, that would be like San Filippo syndrome, which is a version of childhood dementia. There's several other heart diseases that children are fighting that we meet with. The most common is cancer because that's what we are well known for. And that's what a lot of our videos show. But the thing I've noticed with online is you have to grab someone's attention in 0.5 seconds and they're going to keep scrolling if they look like a typical healthy child. So I think that's a lot of where that comes from. Do you guys do this for both boys and girls? Yes. So before we were just doing girls with princesses and then we added superheroes into it. But then we had characters coming in that wanted to be Woody from Toy Story and Peter Pan and all different characters. So we're trying to add as many different variations as possible. So that way, when we get a request, we're able to honor it exactly who that child wants. I love that. And how old do you have to be to volunteer? You have to be 16 with a letter of recommendation from a trusted adult. And then we do like a background check. But when you're 18, you won't need the letter of recommendation if you're applying. So I want you to take us back to when you did join TikTok, because I really want to talk about you joining that, but then the impact it had on your foundation. So when I first started TikTok, I had absolutely zero idea how to use the platform. I think (laughs) everyone goes through that. So I was just posting videos that the parents took from our Zoom calls and never really thought about the fact that people would like to see the conversation itself rather than just, this is the magic we brought today. And this child is this many years old, like it works with Facebook and Instagram. With TikTok, it's more so... People want to see the conversation. They want to see the reality of the moments. So for us to expand, it was bringing that into it. And also 
when we were able to do the live streams and children come in and talk to their favorite character and anyone can watch and you get to see that magic firsthand. So it completely changed the platform for us. We went from, I know it's crazy to think about it as a numbers game, but honestly, it's the best depiction. We went from 50,000 followers to 500,000 in the matter of four months. And that was simply from going live and meeting with kids and showing those rare moments where the child is either upset or they were asking questions about their illness to the character and like how the character went through that and answered. That's what people want to see. So when you say you went live, were you going live on TikTok with the children or just going live to talk about the foundation? No, we were going live on TikTok with the children. We were getting permission from the parents and we have a list of approved guest requests because we are very well known as a family account. So we want to make sure that everyone that's coming on there is going to be appropriate and respectful. So we have a list of children that are on there that we have either met through Zoom calls or TikTok or Instagram. I like to think of our first live stream interaction with Princess Paisley. Paisley fought neuroblastoma for three years and now she's cancer free. And she is so spunky and so incredible. And I remember live stream in particular when she was interacting with Princess Anna from Frozen. And she said to her, she was like, I have no more Tubi. And she was like pointing to the Tubi and she was so excited. And the character's reaction was so pure. Like she started bawling on the camera and so many people saw that. And so many people now want to see the rest of what we do. So not only was it an incredible moment for the child to be able to visit with their favorite character, people also got to see firsthand what the experience is like. I love that. So where are you guys at with everything on TikTok are you still at half a million followers over there? Or are you still constantly steadily growing? We are steadily growing by the day. I want to say it was like 628,000 last time I checked. And it's probably different this morning. I worked yeah. night shift last night, so I haven't checked it this morning. <laughs> it's not so much about the numbers, but I think sometimes no. you see like, oh, the followers don't matter. I'm like, well, it kind of does because the more eyes that are on you, the more people that are aware of your foundation, the more shares that you get and the more good you can do. So it really does have an impact on your foundation. I'm not going to lie. I've kind of been like, Ooh, I want to do this. It seems so much fun. I don't know what princess I would be, but it seems like so much fun. I really, truly just love anything cancer. I just do. I'm going to show you. So I went to your website and I saw the coloring pages that are for free for kids to print out. Yep. And I printed my two favorites and I want to show you. Okay. All right. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> so I did the gloves. I love the gloves because it's the fighting thing. And I used to also teach kickboxing and we use gloves. So I love oh, it. Oh, that's awesome. And then of course, I think this is probably your most common, right? Yes. We bring those actually into the hospitals with us so the kids can color them. And then they have a QR code on the bottom for parents to be able to check out our website. Oh, I love it. I was just like, 
So why coloring? Is there something behind these coloring pages? So what I've noticed is it's not only an icebreaker for the child and the character to be able to color together, but it's also like these kids are going through treatments day after day. And usually the people walking in the room are nurses and doctors to stick them with more needles and give them more bad information or to tell them about the next scans they're going for. When a character walks in, they are over the moon excited. But even if they're not, and they're really not having a good day, the best thing for them is to bring creativity into it somehow. Yeah. I've noticed with a lot of other foundations that painting is a great release, but for us with the costumes and everything, we really can't bring painting into it. So we picked coloring pages and I feel like not only is it great for the kids, but it's the best representation of them. Like they can see themselves in those coloring pages. And that's huge. Like representation is everything. So for them to be able to relate to the coloring pages that they're coloring is like astronomically magical. Because the little girl or boy that the princess is holding, the child's bald. So I love that they feel that they're being represented in those coloring pages. With your volunteers, is there any type of training that they go through before they do this? Yes, absolutely. So it starts off like your normal job where it's a PowerPoint and you can ask questions. And then they actually sit in on the Zoom calls with current volunteers and they just turn off their camera and mute themselves and get to watch the interaction and learn how to talk to the children. And then when they do their first call, they're observed by one of us and it really helps build their self-esteem and build their communication skills. And then about three calls after that is when they start to branch off on their own and do their own calls. So they actually are able to contact the parents and they're able to set up a date and time works for them. Originally, I used to do all of that, but I noticed that when I give them that piece of it, it helps build their confidence for the Zoom call itself. Well, I think it also gives you a sense of like ownership, yeah, of you know? course. And it also yeah. builds that trust with the family. Like you are talking specifically to the person that is going to make magic for your child rather than someone that's just overseeing all of it. Yeah. So you start that connection and that relationship from the very get go yeah. versus someone just popping on being a princess and you're like, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I know you said you're in nursing school currently. Is this also full-time for you to run this? Yes. 
Yeah. Like, so like we're talking 40 hours plus a week. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. And how hard was it to start a foundation? Can you walk me through that process? It was extremely difficult. Was it? <laughs> yes. So I didn't know anyone who started a nonprofit and I ended up doing a charity ball for Jimmy fund. Cause I'm in Boston and we have the Jimmy fund here. And I met another nonprofit through it and they were telling me all the steps to do it and everything. And I was like, this is a lot. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I was 19 at the time. So that's a lot for someone that is just starting out. And also like everyone looks to their parents to advise them for things, but my parents had no clue on how to do any of this. So I just remember working a really long shift and then getting home at like four in the morning. And I just simply Googled how to start a nonprofit and followed every single step to the exact like T and I didn't take no for an answer. So (laughs) I simply just persevered. And then I remember the day like yesterday when we got our 501c3 letter and it kind of put everything into perspective that, okay, like, this is mine now. Like I can do this. And it was really difficult at first to get all the costuming was taking my entire paycheck and just buying costumes at first. Just you or for you and volunteers? No, for me and volunteers. And I was going through and recruiting people in my hometown and people I worked with and people I went to school with. And somehow it just blossomed into this incredible thing. And I wasn't sure when we first started out that this was going to work because I'm from a small town and the chances of something like this, like lasting in a really small town is difficult, especially when you're in nursing school and you don't know if you can continue to do it while you're in nursing school. And Also, we're very limited on volunteers being here. But then COVID actually opened up every single door because we were not able to go into hospitals anymore and visit the kids. But I was building connections with Princess Performers Online that actually had their own costuming or were getting their own costuming or have had experience working with kids that are sick. And we just kind of built a community and we were able to do the Zoom calls. And then when hospitals started opening back up, I was like, we still have to do the Zoom calls because we're reaching kids in all different states, all different countries. It's incredible. And if I could go back and tell myself that we would get to visit different states and we would attend galas and we would go to Washington and we would make magical moments happen all over the world. Like we just had Elsa travel from one part of Canada to the other part for a child that was on hospice. And we managed to pull it off in like eight days notice. So the fact that she was able to get there in time, like I would never believe myself if I told me that when I first started out, that was going to be a possibility. And now we're doing visits at Orlando Children's Hospital once a month, and I live in Boston. So it's incredible the difference you can make when you have a community of support behind you. I love that. And how do you get your volunteers to travel? Like, where do the funds come? How do you raise that money? 
So we do it on a case by case basis for our Florida trip. We had already planned to go there for a hospital visit. And then there was a child that just rang the bell and she wanted to meet Ariel so bad in person, the little mermaid. And we were able to facilitate an in-person visit. Not only that, we were able to make sure that she had a real swimming tail and could swim with her in the pool. So we were able to do that and also able to do our Wisconsin trip and our Washington trip. And that's all because of people donating. And it's because we're making fundraisers that are saying, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to do when we get there. And your donations can help us get there. And it has been a struggle in the beginning because a lot of platforms do not like when people are trying to donate or raise money. I think it's also because of just protection, like fraud, stuff like that. So I understand why, but it also makes our job a lot more difficult as a nonprofit with a huge social media following to ask for donations. But every single time we let everybody know of a trip that we're going on and what we're going to do when we get there, we have managed to get there. Well, and I think too, when you record some of it and you put it on your platforms, you're showing the people that you're actually using their money, like what you're using it for, that you're using it for what you say you're going to use it for. And so I think you start to build trust with the audience and your community that look, when we're asking for money, like we've got proof, like this is what we're doing. We are going and bringing a little bit of magic to these kids who so badly want it and need it. There was something that you said earlier on as you were speaking that I kind of want to dive into because I love it. You said that COVID opened up doors for you. And I think a lot of people, and I'm not trying to minimize or take away because I know there was a lot of stuff that happened, but what I usually hear is how terrible that time was for so many people. And I know it was for some, but I also think that it had the opposite effect for other people because it did for me. 2020 was an amazing year for me. But when it all happened and I had plans like most people and I got COVID and my husband was hospitalized. Thankfully, we don't know anyone that passed. So I know that can be really hard, but I really think it's a mindset thing to sit there and be like, okay, I'm stuck. I can't do anything. A pandemic is here. Guess I'll just wait it out. Right. That could be one mindset or the other could be, okay, it sucks. Nobody likes it but what am I going to do? And for me, pivot was just a huge word that just kept coming to me. And I'm like, okay, these were my plans, but now I can't go speak. Nobody's speaking face to face. Everything went virtual, but I can go on podcasts and I can do this and start social media, which is why I got on TikTok. But for me, it was just like pivot. Let's just pivot. And I just love that you said that because you saw, yeah, you did this during a pandemic. You got on social media and that really helped your foundation just flourish. So I just kind of wanted to point that out that it's kind of a mindset thing. Nobody enjoyed aspects of it, but I love that you say, but it opened up doors. It forced you to pivot and it forced you to take to social media and it forced you guys to go to these Zoom calls and stuff, but look at where you're at because of that. And it's just amazing. Yeah, every piece of the Princess program always comes into effect because of a child. And I'd like to believe that we started doing Zoom calls because of a child. I 
was extremely heartbroken when I found out we could not go and visit the kids in the hospital when COVID was going on. Obviously, I knew why, the safety and everything, but that hurt. And not knowing if we'd ever get to go back was even worse because how do we know that this new pandemic and sickness wasn't going to stay around forever? In some ways, it has impacted some of our hospital relationships. Some, we will never get to go room to room again. I remember receiving a call and it was a mom of a child who was just placed on hospice. And I didn't know anything about that at all. Like I walked blindly into the world of pediatric cancer when I was starting out, as I feel most people do because you aren't really given a warning. Most of these families, they receive this news and it's immediate treatments and stuff. So they don't even get time to process it. And I had this mom on the other end of the phone and she was like, my daughter really loves Elsa, but we can't have anyone come visit her because she is so sick. And I'm not sure what to do. I don't know if there's programs out there that would do a Zoom call with her, but I saw your program online and I took a chance. So would you Zoom call with my daughter? At that point, we only had a few select volunteers. We had, I think it was one costume. We had Elsa and it just happened to be the character that she wanted was Elsa. And they talked for an hour and a half on Zoom and they were reading stories and she was telling her about her Orbeez that she had and her stuffed whale. And she kept coming up to the camera and blowing kisses. And she was very young. She wasn't even two years old yet. And she was just sitting there with the biggest smile on her face that she was talking to her favorite person. And that's when it kind of hit me that we have to keep doing this whether it's virtual or it's in person. And it kind of, like you said, pivoted my entire perspective on what was gonna happen during 2020. She unfortunately passed away six weeks after our call. And we had posted pictures and videos from our call. And all of a sudden we had parents flocking to our page with children that are sick. And we met so many children one in particular, everyone knows our relationship on TikTok with Team Jocelyn. I am never going to forget Jocelyn. I remember watching her interact with Ariel and they were blowing bubbles through the screen. And it was just the most incredible experience. She's one of the children that kind of opened up the door for us to visit in person once 2020 was passed and we were able to go to services and to make magic. We were invited to her services in Utah. And I remember thinking we, we have to go, like we have to be there to support them, which is so wild to think about because we're from Massachusetts and I didn't have any clue if we could travel, but I wasn't just going to go there for that and be there for the family. We were also making a magic moment for another child. And then we were being there for her family the day after, her siblings with the Little Mermaid. So I've tried to find a different way to implement on each visit to reach several kids, to do as much as we possibly can do in a 72-hour time span from when we land at the airport to when we leave. 
So it has just kind of opened up several doors for us, just the pandemic in general and being able to do virtual visits. And I believe that everything happens for a reason. I know that there's so many devastating hardships that happen with COVID, but I believe that we were contacted by that family to see the avenue that we could go with the Princess program to be able to be virtual. And what I love about that is because you went virtual, your reach truly is greater than it could be if you were only person to person, right? For sure. And when you say that when you do these trips, you try to get as many kids, do you just make as many like appointments to see as many kids like in that hospital or just in that area? It goes based off of the area. So if we know that we're visiting a state where we have two other children that are battling cancer or that are battling a serious illness, we make appointments to do home visits or hospital visits. We meet them kind of where they're at. Before Washington, that was our most recent visit. We were in Wisconsin and we had Zoom called with this little girl forever. And her mom was like, oh, you're coming to Wisconsin for this gala. And we were also bringing a family with us. So we were able to fund a family coming with us and surprise this little girl at the airport and everything. And we were able to make it an extremely special experience for her. She stayed at the hotel with Elsa. They went and painted each other's nails and they went swimming together because she wanted to meet mermaid Elsa because Ariel gave her special earrings that made her a mermaid. That was our thing. And we were there doing that, but then we were also finding time in between being there for that child and another child that was also in that state. Just the fact that we're able to do that is incredible. Like think of how many families we're touching just by being there. And the child that we met in Wisconsin, I will never forget. She opened the door and she was like, Elsa, you're here. (laughs) And it was so incredible. I just can't believe that we get to do this. And I'm so grateful every single day that it keeps going. There's got to be a huge difference in really, truly believing that is Elsa versus like a dress up. Yeah. What are some of the reactions from these kids that like maybe just some that stick out in your head? You're like, I will never forget that reaction. (laughs) I don't know if you can see the picture behind me of Ariel, the little mermaid with the little girl. Her name's Harper. And she was so excited to see Ariel in the pool waiting for her. But what she was even more excited about was when Ariel hopped off the ledge and started swimming. And I just remember her like screaming and being like, she's swimming, she's real. It was just priceless. Like to be able to bring that much magic to a child's mind and like make them really believe that is their person is incredible. When we were in Wisconsin with Paisley, I remember her playing on the playground and then come running up to Elsa and she gave her a hug and she goes, I think I'm getting ice powers. And she was showing her hands and then Elsa was like, oh, you go like this. And like, it was so special. We have a video about it. And just the fact that she believed that or when she believed that the Little Mermaid gave the Ice Queen earrings to be able to swim with her. And then we waited until she left and we were able to properly make sure that she didn't see anything. But it was a very interesting experience being at the hotel with the child because you never know when they could come running around the corner. And we joked about it a lot. We were like, she's living her Hannah Montana dream because, you know, you go in the room as one person, you come out as a different person. And it was just 
the most special experience. And I think every experience that we've had to date has been very unique. Yeah. I just think like, when did we lose that as kids? And imagine as adults, if we reacted the same way as some of these children or could see life and situation through the eyes of a child, Mm -hmm. I think the world would be a better place. So I have a few more questions before we close. Has the foundation exceeded your expectations going into it? 100%. I go into everything kind of rushed. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't really think about it beforehand. And I set myself up to be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And we're going to accomplish it. If I go home at the end of the day, knowing that we made a difference, then it was worth it. And then the craziness of what we've been able to accomplish. I remember making a video last January. It was all like the things that I wanted to touch on this year. And I truly cannot wait to do it in a month and show the growth that we had in just a year. And it's insane to think about, like we're building relationships with families all over the world. We're able to make visits happen in Canada. That's incredible. Just the fact that we get to do that is crazy. And I don't take for granted a single moment of it. And it's so special. Do you still currently do it from time to time? Dress up and do virtuals? So I don't because nursing school... (laughs) is a lot of work running the foundation I know yeah (laughs) like I spend every waking moment studying so it's really difficult to these characters go through a lot to become the character and I would never want to do that without being 100% sure like I'm representing them properly so it's something completely different to throw on a dress and go and visit a child and to actually believe that you are that character and make them believe that you are that character. There's a huge difference. And I remember one of our first visits, there's a picture behind me. That's me as Belle. And mm. that was before we were really official and we didn't really have all the costume and accessories that we needed. And I know that this child was older and knew that I wasn't exactly the princess, but she was in a wheelchair and she came over to me. She wheeled herself over and she's like, I have a belt dress upstairs and we're going to match. And I am going to go upstairs and go get my belt dress. So then she comes down and she's matching me. And it was so hard not to cry in that moment, like so difficult. And she just looked at me and she's like, you know, I know that you're not the real princess, but just the fact that you would be here for me means everything. And she like gave me a hug and I'm never gonna forget that. At the end of the day, it's the kids that make us the princesses. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
we've talked a lot about what this does for the kids, but what have you noticed or what have your volunteers told you that this does for them? So a lot of our volunteers have told me that it brings them so much joy to see these kids in their weakest moments and to be able to put a smile on their face because that truly is what magic is all about. That's what this Disney universe was created for, to put a smile on somebody's face, to see what these kids go through day in and day out and to be able to be the reason they're smiling. That feels incredible. And they have sat on the phone bawling with me over a child that has passed. And I've asked them, do you want to keep doing this? Do you want to take a break? That kind of thing. And they always answer without a doubt, nope, I'm meant to do this. And I'm going to keep doing it because all the smiles are worth it. And it's amazing to find people that are as compassionate as I am about it. We go through trials and tribulations like any other organization. You find people that are not meant to do it and people that have a really difficult time with the emotional piece, but the ones that stick around are the ones that make a huge difference. I have a couple of different volunteers that come to mind when I think of the way that they embody the compassion behind what we do. What about the parents? What feedback have you gotten from the parents about this? So... I remember when we first started doing this and we were doing hospital visits, I was watching the interaction between the child and everything. And a parent pulled me aside and brought me out of the room and said, we've been up all night going through scans and talking about next best options. And my wife and I are just beside ourselves. And you made my child smile today. And I forgot everything that was going on in reality. And I can't thank you enough for doing that. And that is incredible that we hold that place in their child's life in that moment. And that is what I'm most grateful for is not only the relationship that we build with the child, but with the parents, we are able to be there for them. And so many of the parents I have great bonds with and still check in from time to time. Even the parents that have lost children, we find ways to honor them together. And I think that kind of means everything to these families. I have heard firsthand that there were most people that abandoned us after a few months after the loss and they were a part of it when everything was grief and public and going through the first motions of it. But it is very rare to have someone that's there years later being like, do you need anything? How can we honor your child this month? How can we make them a part of what we're doing now? And they're so grateful that we do that. And what ways do you honor some of these kids who have passed on? So one of our friends, his name was Raymond, and he absolutely loved everything about superheroes and truly believes that he was a superhero, which he was. He went through a lot. And I thought of the perfect way to honor him once he passed was to make a superhero cape. So we could give it to other children with his picture on it. And it says, fight like a superhero. And it's incredible to be able to continue to share their stories. And I think that has been the biggest piece for me with losing the kids is finding a way to honor them in small ways to be able to continue their part 
in our story. Like when Jocelyn passed away, we created the Team Jocelyn Forever campaign. And we had shirts and sweatshirts that said Team Jocelyn Forever. Now she flies with the butterflies, I think was the logo. And people were purchasing them and the proceeds were going to her cancer research. So she's still making a difference when she's not here because we're continuing to honor her memory. And I think that is so important. Like our logo, the coloring page that you had all done, that child, her name is Eslin. And she was the first child that we ever Zoomed with that her mom called us and wanted her to meet with Elsa. She always had a thing for purple butterflies. So on the NG tube on the child's face is a purple butterfly in our logo. So it's just finding a way to keep them a part of the magic. That means everything to these families that go through this loss because the thing that they're most afraid of is people forgetting their child. And for as long as I am here, that's not going to happen. I love that. So we talked about the kids and we talked about your volunteers and we talked about the parents, but for Alyssa as a human, what has this done for you starting the foundation, working with these kids, with the parents, seeing them pass? How has that changed you as a person? It has taught me to not take a single moment for granted and that every single moment matters. And it's about what you're going to do with that time to make a difference for other people. And I'm not going to lie. I had a very difficult time at first with the loss of children and I still have a difficult time with it, but it's learning to work through that, to be there for the families and to put my own personal feelings aside to be there for the families and also our volunteers that are making the magic for these children because they're seeing them in person. They're talking with them. They're building the connection. I'm just someone that oversees it all, but I'm also someone that sees their story every single day and hears about the scans that they're going through and knows when they're going in for surgery. As much as I love the relationships that we've built with these families, it is extremely difficult, but I've learned to not take a single moment for granted and to really be able to make as much as a difference as possible in their lives. So tell me about the brave buddy. What is that? So we found Bravery Buddies. They're a nonprofit in Australia that makes dolls for children that are going through cancer treatments. And these dolls are always bald dolls and they are actually matched up to the child. So they have their eye color, they have their facial features, if they have glasses, if they love dinosaurs, they have a dinosaur cap on, like they make sure every single aspect of the child is embodied in that doll. So that way it's who they are and they feel represented. And when we first started working with Bravery Buddies, it was just, we wanted to do this for Christmas. And we have been able to see that it lasted way beyond that. We have some things in the works and it's going to be incredible to see these kids represented in a doll form. That's huge. That's also their comfort. So to be able to have a comfort object that represents you is incredible. And also 
I remember when we met Harper in Florida, she came running up to us with her bravery buddy in her arms. And she was like, look, my bravery buddy is here too, because she believed that Ariel gave her the bravery buddy. So it was really special. And Ariel brought a special outfit that matched her outfit for the bravery buddy. So it was like all those pieces coming together. I'm really grateful for our relationship with bravery buddies. They also just started writing books about children with cancer. So they wrote this amazing children's book for Christmas about reindeer that is losing its fur. And the reindeer meets an elf that already went through that. So they're able to bond over that and talk about the hurt behind losing their hair and everything. And to have your favorite character sit there and reading that story is so special because you're able to relate to what's going on. I love that we are able to have that relationship with the Bravery Buddies. And we also work with the I Draw Childhood Cancer community. They write books about NG tubes and going for CAT scans. And when we're able to sit on live streams and read from those stories to the children that are going through that on a daily basis, they are just enthralled in what we're talking about. And I've heard that it actually makes them less frightened to go in for the procedure when they're talking about it with their favorite character. Yeah, I would agree. The more you talk about something, I would agree that the less frightening it is. You know what to expect. You guys do multiple Zooms. It's not just a one and done. Like, is it always with the same princess or do they request a different one sometimes? (laughs) So it depends. Some of them have like, a real attachment to a specific character. So they want to keep seeing that character for which we always make sure it's the same volunteer because we never want to confuse a child. But then some of them want to see different characters. So it's like, you have to remember, oh, you were the ice queen for this kid, but now they're requesting the little mermaid. It's not going to be you. It's going to have to be a different volunteer. So it's just like keeping track of all that. And also we get to be part of their really special moments. Like, we get to FaceTime them when they're ringing the bell, the end of treatments bell, or we Zoom call with them when it's their birthday and they're stuck in the hospitals. What I've said to parents is no matter what time of day it is, just message us and we'll coordinate the Zoom call. And we have done like 10 Zoom calls with one child just because, you know, they needed it. Yeah. So it's really cool to see the relationships that these characters build with them. but. It's also like, you have to remember, okay, that's Paisley's ice queen. (laughs) She's Snow White for this child. So you have to remember to keep the consistency. And it also like keeps the magic. Like they know that person's voice. The ice queen called Paisley when her plane was delayed and talked her through it. People don't see that side of it because we don't record that and put it on TikTok, but she was talking her through it and she knew her voice based off of their Zoom calls together. And that's crazy. Well, thank goodness for spreadsheets, right? Because you can kind of keep track of exactly what princess belongs to what child. It reminded me of something when my oldest son was younger and I was a mean mom because I made him clean his room and stuff <laughs> like that. And I don't know how it came about, but we had a friend that we made up, Officer Steve. And Bubba could call Officer Steve anytime he was mad at me. Thankfully, Officer Steve was my husband. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. When he would call him and complain about me and how I was being mean and making him clean his room and wasn't giving him his way, 
Officer Steve would be like, you need to be nice to your mom and you need to listen to her and you should clean your room and stuff. <laughs> but it, it was just the, the coolest thing because he was young, but they truly do believe in that. Oh, and I had to use the same person every time he called Officer Steve because he knew his voice. Of course, he altered his voice a little bit, but <laughs> it just it made me think of that and how my kid would listen to Officer Steve more than he would listen to mom. And so it really is amazing. And it's so true that they kids are not dumb. They know the voices. They know, hey, you had blue eyes last time. Oh, yeah. My dad came in as I think as Santa one year. My kids were little. Again, they were real small. Immediately, my kids said, that's Poppy. And I'm like, no, it's Santa. Mom, he's wearing Poppy's shoes. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Gosh, dang Just it. pick up on everything they know it they are so smart what's the future of the princess program foundation i just hope that we can bring magic to as many kids as possible is there anything that you feel like we've left out or any last minute thoughts that are on your mind or your heart that you want to share it was when you were talking about officer steve paisley knows that she can get on her mom's phone and record a video and it'll get to the princesses. She will actually be like, I want to talk to you. So call me. And Aww. her mom finds them in her phone and sends them to us and we schedule them. But she knows that when she contacts us through the magic mirror, that's how she's going to get her visit with her princess. And that is really special that we're able to make that connection with the child where she just knows, okay, I have to go record a video on mom's phone and like, I'll see a princess in 24 hours. And it, like, it just reminds me of being little and wanting to catch Santa in the act. You really believe in that magic. And I was a kid for the longest time that believed in that magic. So the fact that we're able to bring that to other kids, I think that's what makes it so special. And what's the best way to connect with you? Definitely through our website. You can become a volunteer through there. You can schedule a visit on there. You can find out more information. We also have a shop where people can shop for merchandise. We just released a new merchandise line. My favorite of our new merchandise line is our sweatshirts. It's like I'm a princess to a tiny warrior. And then it has the princess on it. Not only is it great for our parents and families, to have our merchandise, but it also honors that part of our volunteers wanting to show off what they do. Yeah. And what is something that right now that your foundation is really in need of? Right now, I would say that we're in need of probably donations to be able to keep bringing magic to these kids because things change on a daily basis and hospitals could open up around here in two months and they want a specific character that we don't have and we have to make that happen last minute. So it's mostly for costuming and wig maintenance. And that all comes at a pretty heavy price when you're dealing with royalty. So <laughs> I say it as a joke, but it's really not. Those princesses are high maintenance. <laughs> they certainly are. Have you ever had like someone donate a dress or make a dress or anyone volunteer to be a part of that? Yeah, so we actually had someone send us a Tiana dress for a visit that we did. And it was really special. It happened to come in just in time. I think it helps to show people that this is exactly where it's going. So if you send us a dress, we're going to go use it on a visit. 
depending on what you send us. But if it meets all of our standards, that helps us immensely. So when people find little things that they can help with, I feel like it helps them see where the money is going. And that's a huge factor in like our videos showing the visits that we go on and the costumes that we use were sponsored by this person. We work with the One Mission organization. They're in Massachusetts here. And their slogan is we do whatever it takes to help kids and families through cancer. And they do like meal programs and special events and things like that in the hospitals. And we were able to connect with them through a head shaving event that they do in June. And they just happened to create a sponsorship with us where they were sponsoring certain costumes. And like just a few months ago, we purchased Beauty and the Beast Beauty Princess costume. And we were able to do that thanks to their sponsorship, but it was going to a volunteer in Florida. So it's the fact that not only were they able to help us sponsor the costume, but you're making magic in a completely different state. So we're really grateful for our relationships with our costume sponsors. I love it. Thank you so much. I really was looking forward to this. I wanted just a little bit more history and background and where these last few years have taken you. So thank you so much for taking the time to share. I mean, it truly is an amazing thing that you're doing. And I personally haven't heard of a foundation like this before. So I think it's amazing. And this touches close to my heart. So thank you for being here and sharing. And hopefully our listeners can go out to your website and contribute in any way that they are able to. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor to get to share our story. Of course. I often wonder what sets my guests apart. And I can tell you it's not because they're special or have resources others don't, or they just happen to know somebody who knew somebody. It's simply that they had an idea placed on their heart and then took action to see that idea come to life. It wasn't always easy. Oftentimes, it actually wasn't. But because they have seen the impact they are having and the lives they are changing for the better, they continue to serve others. We all have the power within us to have an impact on others. It simply takes deciding. Once we decide, we need to commit. That commitment will lead to impact. What has been placed on your heart that you know deep down you need to act on? Do it, commit to it, and see the impact you are meant to have on others. Your contribution is never too small and matters in this world. If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode. Also, tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. Until next time, rock your kindness.